0: joining me on the Football CFB podcast Gary No problem Callum. good to speak to you You were born in Stirling Gary, I'm interested to know what was your upbringing like with football who were your heroes growing up and when did you start playing? Uh,
1: gosh, I started playing pretty much as soon as I could walk really uh, me and my big brother used to play at the back constantly and my dad played local uh, kind of junior football and once we were about 7, 8 we started going to training with him on and, and Tuesdays and Thursday nights and by about 10 year old I think we were joining in and the the guys were kicking us and we were, we were going full tilt with them so yeah pretty much my whole childhood was, was based around football, my whole life had been based around football
0: In terms of heroes growing up, which players did you look up to and aspire to be one day?
1: Uh, as a kid, I supported Celtic. Uh, my family were all Celtic supporters. My uncle used to run a bus to game so uh, I wouldn't go every week, but I went quite often to, to watch Celtic. Uh, Paul McStay was my kind of hero of that Celtic era. Uh, growing up, I loved watching him play and the uh, the kind of composure and the, the class he had on the ball. Uh, And my team down in England were Man United as I got a little bit older The great Man United teams when when they started winning Premier Leagues Uh, Under Sir Alex Ferguson and Ryan Giggs and Eric Cantona and Roy Keane Players like that were uh, the people that I looked up to and and admired And and tried to kind of learn from and and follow
0: In terms of your youth career, Gary You played with Celtic Boys Club for a while and Hutchison Vale as well did that give you the the sort of grounding that prepared you for going to Newcastle as your first professional club as a youth?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I, my dad was always really keen, me and my big brother Stephen, uh, never to sign S forms and, and just to enjoy your football and not be tied down to, to one club at, at a young age. And I think that was really good advice. And, and I say that a lot to... To my own boys and, and kids down here, I, I'm involved uh, with, my, with my kids' team on occasions. And I say to the, the kids, you know, you, you don't need to be tied to a team. You need to enjoy your football. You need to, you know, play uh, as much as you can and kick the ball as much as you can. But not being tied to a team at a young age, I think, is a good thing. So me and Stephen both went to Harps, Dundee United, Celtic, Rangers, And then when we started getting a bit older down in England, I was at Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea, Newcastle. uh, And that gave me a really kind of great grounding in terms of different uh, coaching, different ideas, different styles of play. uh, And allowed me, I think, to to learn a lot more than just being tied to to one team.
0: Growing up, obviously, with your brother Stephen, a fellow centre-half, Was that helpful growing up In terms of spurring each other on And adding that competitive element to it From a young age
1: Yeah without a doubt I think uh, Having each other to kind of You know learn from And and obviously compete with I was fortunate that he was first to do everything, so he, he got in the Scotland School boys when he was under 14 and then I had a target to aim at and, and try and better. He was captain so I had to try and do that. Uh, he then went down to Newcastle and I followed him, so I always had kind of his, he was the first one to go and do everything and I, I had to try and achieve that and, and more. So. Uh, And his experiences I think I could learn from So in a way I think it was a lot easier for me To to have him uh, ahead of me And learning from from what he was doing
0: When you get to Newcastle Gary I'm interested to know When was the first time you really thought You had a a real good chance Of becoming a professional footballer?
1: That's a good question Uh, I, I don't think you ever think you, you, you kind of are a professional footballer or you've made it, I think my whole career I, I tried to learn and get better even right up to my last few games at Wigan I was always trying to be better and trying to almost prove yourself that you, you could you know play at the level you were at and uh, I think that's good advice for, for younger players that don't ever think you've made it don't ever think that you know everything about the game because you don't the game is so uh, so different and, and so many different things can happen within the game that you you never know at all and you have to constantly learn and improve and get better. So I don't think I've ever really thought, you know, I've I've made it here. I always wanted to be better. I always I say to my kids now, I, I wanted to play for Man United and I never quite made it but uh I still got you know, quite far in the game and I, I try and kind of drill that into them to, to aim really high and, and never stop learning and never stop trying to
0: improve During your time with Newcastle you played a lot for the reserves and breaking into that first team was was quite hard at the time they were doing relatively well in the Premier League but you did go on loan to Darlington Hibs Coventry and Derby throughout your time there Did you In terms of those loan spells, was that the club wanting you to go out and loan or were you just saying to them, look, I need to be playing first-team football?
1: Uh, That was me, really, uh, and my eagerness to kind of have a career and and make a career for myself. Uh, The the opportunities, Newcastle back then were a a Champions League team, were a really top top four or five Premier League team, so the opportunities were very difficult and it was tough to get in the team and uh I wanted to play, I needed to, to develop, you know, quicker than, than they were kinda allowing me to so it was me that had to force them and that was always daunting having to go and chat Bobby Robson's door, you know, a manager as is, is kinda good and, and respected and throughout the world, uh, as a young seventeen year old to go and chat his door and, and tell him that you wanted to go in London was always very daunting but Something which again kind of creates and develops your character, and uh, he was always brilliant with me. He told me what I needed to improve on to to, to get uh, ahead in my career, and he was he was spot on. When I, when I look back, and uh, I think it was a good thing for me though to, to go and play and, and improve uh, playing league football rather than than sitting in the reserves and and maybe not quite developing as as quick as I, I did. Uh, Going
0: on. You mentioned obviously Sir Bobby Robson there A true legend of football What was he like With young guys like yourself In and around Newcastle
1: He he was phenomenal I've I've said this a few times But I almost I'm a bit kind of Gutted I had him When I was 17 and not 27 Because I feel like I kind of you know, at, at that age, you, you just want to progress, and you're not really taking things in like you do when you're a bit older. And uh, when I think back now, he was such a fantastic manager. His enthusiasm for football was incredible, uh, and and like I said, he was he was spot on. He knew every player at the club, the young ones right up to Alan Shearer and Gary Speed. He knew the strengths and weaknesses. He knew. The, the characters And the personalities That he had And, and how to make them better And uh, Just a, a Phenomenal manager And uh, Somebody that I'm thankful I had The kind of Small opportunity to, to
0: work with him In terms of your loan spells Gary obviously Darlington, Coventry And Derby, uh, especially Were those leagues you played in Obviously League 2 And then now League 1 Were those very Physical leagues? Yeah my first loan was
1: was the, the biggest eye opener of of kind of league football I think anyone can ever get. I went to Darlington who were in League Two. I, I don't know. It was I don't think it was called that at the time, but it's League Two now, so the bottom league uh, in, the, in the tiered system in England. And the physicality, the the need to win uh, that, that the other players kind of showed because they're kind of mortgages. The, their lives were kind of revolving around winning was was a great eye opener from coming from academy football and needing to play out to the back and play through lines and you know that that type of football to them get thrown into uh, a, a competitive league game was was a massive opener. i had four games there it was an incredible experience uh and and kind of one which I didn't ever want to go back to that level because it was wasn't the level I wanted to play at. But it really showed me what what you need in terms of physicality if you want to to have a career in football. And it was a, a great grounding. And I always the clubs have managed always the younger players. I say to them if they're not getting first team opportunities, go out on loan at any level uh, and show that that you can cope and play at that level because it's a great education. Uh,
0: and it makes you better, quicker uh, than, than staying in the reserves. Is that something that frustrates you, Gary, as a, as, a, as a person who loves their football? Do you feel that, especially in the Premier League in England, that there's too many young players on big money who maybe don't want to go out and go on loan to a Blackpool or a Portsmouth or a Port Vale and prove themselves they'd rather just stay in the academy bubble?
1: Yeah, I think it can sometimes. I think... I think sometimes the clubs might be at fault that they they, they kind of stockpile a lot of a lot of players and a lot of talent and then they need to kind of the academy needs to show show that they're, they're doing something by maybe winning the league or uh, getting better results. Uh, so sometimes I feel like the, the clubs maybe hold them back. Sometimes it's the players. I think quite often Premier League players, you know, they wear the tracksuit. Of, of a Man United or a Chelsea and they walk around like they're a Man United or a Chelsea player when really they're not you know. and, and they're almost hanging on to that and I think they need to get out in the real world quicker and, and start to, to play in whatever league it is, everyone will find their level uh, throughout the game and quite often I think young players want to hold on to that feeling of playing being a Man United player or, or being a top Premier League player when the reality is they're an under-23 player and they've got zero games, league games against their name. So for me, it's important you go out and play at whatever level, show you're good enough, show you can cope and then take the next step and and the ladder in terms of your education and progression in your career.
0: When it came to you leaving Newcastle, obviously after Newcastle, your first permanent move, move was a move to Hibs. Was it always your... Ambition to play in Scotland at that point Or would you have stayed in England If the regular opportunity was there
1: Uh, No I think I I had been on loan at Hibs And really enjoyed it And and did quite well And had a kind of Had a real Kind of affection for the club and, And the people that were at the club So When it came that I was leaving Newcastle It was a Pretty simple choice In terms of Of going uh, back to there because I felt comfortable I had done well in my loan spell there and I could almost rebuild my career and restart my career there so it was a it was there was some options in England but it was a pretty natural choice at the time
0: you mentioned your earlier loan spell at Hibs and Bobby Williamson managed you during that loan spell towards the end of the season was Bobby a big influence in you going back to Hibs?
1: yeah he was he, he had managed a, a, an under 21 game as well uh, with Scotland, and that was, you know, the kind of link that we had uh, from playing that game. Uh, Donald Park had had managed some Scotland teams as well. I'd been involved in, and he was at Hibs at the time as well. So that was the original loan spell link. And then going back there, I knew I had worked with him before. I knew he liked me. I knew he wanted to play me, uh, and I could, I would get game time. So. Uh, it was a, Like I said It was a pretty natural decision It was an easy decision And uh, They're still a club I really uh, Admire and, and kind of look for the results Because uh, It is a great club
0: What was Bobby Williamson Like as a manager And as a man Because obviously Within the game Many people have got funny stories About Bobby Was, was he a very serious football man But he was up for a laugh And a joke as well Yeah he's great to
1: play for He was a, a players manager Who You know if you weren't doing the job he, would, he was quick to tell you and if you were you know he, he would do anything for you so he was a a very good man manager and and you wanted to play for him you wanted to get results for him and and that was his his, his skill really and his staff as well were all you know the the kind of banter within the change room with, with kb uh and, and bobby was was brilliant and uh it was, it was a good club to be around. All, all the players, even like the younger players, Tam McManus, Ian Murray, uh, Scott Brown and Kevin Thompson, Derek Reard and Gary O'Connor, were, were just coming through when I first went there. But it was a great club for a young player to, to be a part of.
0: You mentioned those names there Riordan, O'Connor, McManus, Fletcher, Stephen Dobie was there too, Kevin Thompson, Ian Murray, Scott Brown yourself, Stephen Whitaker as well, actually so many names that have went on to have incredible careers within the game. Just how special was that group of players during your time at Hibs?
1: Yeah, they were a really talented group of players, I think, very early on. It was probably when Tony Mowbray came in and we started playing a lot more football. He really kind of coached us to to play a more possession-style football, and, and most of the players, well, all of the players worked. Were you know, good technical footballers, so it suited us all. We had energy because we were so young, we had a lot of energy, and uh, Kevin Thompson, Scott Brown, uh, Gary O'Connor, you know, had had real energy and and kind of enthusiasm that uh, it was a really good team to to play in. Uh, We had some magnificent performances and results, and it was just kind of always going to be the case that that team would get broken up and everyone... Would go on to different things in their careers Which is a bit disappointing Because you never know what what
0: could have been Had that team stayed together I'm interested to ask you Gary about A few of the individuals there in particular And the one I'm interested to ask about first actually Is Derek Riordan During your first season at the club he scored 18 uh, league goals The second season he gets 23 goals in all competitions Were you shocked he didn't maybe have The top level career that you would maybe have expected Having watched him so young?
1: Uh, I Amin, mean, I Amin. Mean, I think his talent was, was undoubted. I think he'll be the first to say he wasn't the hardest worker in terms of training or, or doing extra in the gym. Uh, but as a talent in terms of finishing off both feet. Uh, his speed he had when he was younger. His uh, kind of awareness and ability to, to find himself in goal-scoring positions. was He was a natural goal-scorer. Uh, so yeah, I think talent-wise, he had he had everything really, but like I said, he'll probably be the first to say you need more than that to, to, to get to the top level. It's uh, it's not easy to get there and, and maybe he could have done a bit more to, to to make his career better than what it was and saying that, it was still a fantastic career playing for his, his kind of local team in Hibs, the team he supported and, and going to Celtic and uh, having success there as well.
0: Another two players individually I'd like to ask about is Scott Brown and Kevin Thompson. Two players who, from a young age, were just like yourself, were very highly rated, were doing really well with Hibs. They obviously have put on to great careers and Scott Brown's still uh, playing a part in his great career right now. How Just how good were they in the training field every day at that age? They both had uh, clear talent and they
1: both had the, the drive and that kind of work ethic that, that I'm talking about that you could see that they were going to go on and have top careers and Brownie had that little kind of nasty cheeky streak in them that you that need to, to get to the very top. And
0: Mentioned there, obviously you played under Bobby Williamson on the loan spell. You played under Bobby in your first season back at the club. The club obviously reached a, a, a League Cup final in that season too. But then, obviously, Tony Mowbray comes in that summer. Just how different was it working under Tony Mowbray, who likes to get the ball down in the deck and play football, compared to Bobby? Yeah, it
1: was massive. I think Tony had came from Ipswich and uh, coached there for for a number of years within the academy and first team and he came with a clear playing style right from day one. He, he said he stole out and said, you know, this is how I'm going to play. We're going to pass the ball, we're going to dominate teams by, uh, you know, controlling the game. And, and it was, I wouldn't say it was different, it was similar to what I had in Newcastle under Alan Irvin and Tommy Craig. But in terms of first team football, it was the first time I had a manager that had a clear identity how he wanted to play and then coached that on the training pitch and it was up to the players to take that onto the park and show it in the park and uh he was he was fortunate that he had, you know, young, hungry players who were willing to listen, willing to, willing to carry out what he was doing. But uh it, it was a fantastic spell for, for Hibbs in terms of the, the style of football we played. We didn't get the results at times that we probably deserved due to... A lack of kind of probably experience and a bit of nous and understanding of the game, but uh, we were a very very good team to watch in,
0: in that period. Absolutely agree. I think when you when you think back to that spell Under Tony Mowbray over those two years, uh, you were there. Obviously a third place finish, a fourth place finish, and I remember growing up watching that team. Obviously even like David Murphy, who was a really good fullback as well. Everybody that was in that team, yourself included. Obviously we talked about Stephen Fletcher coming through as well under Tony Mowbray. Everybody that Tony Had kind of signed And wanted on the park Were players who First and foremost Were footballers And that really Shone through Is one of the big I suppose Not for yourself Maybe this is more A question for Tony But is is one of the Big frustrations The fact that you Didn't win a trophy Under Tony at Hibbs Yeah a little bit I think we had
1: Opportunities I remember A semi-final Against Dundee United We were 1-0 up And lost 2-1 Conceded two late goals Uh, There was you know other games where, like I said, we I wouldn't say we let ourselves down, but we we lacked a bit of experience and and just that game management that you need in the big moments to 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 win trophies or win leagues. Uh, we we were still learning that as a group, and he was probably still learning that as a manager as well as a young manager. But I don't think he would kind of change what he did. I think it was a fantastic group of players. He coached us all to be better and improve and, and for him to see all the players that he had Go on to play in bigger leagues uh, for, for big clubs uh, across Britain Then I'm sure he'll be proud of, of the kind of impact he had in all our careers
0: In terms of yourself Gary Growing up obviously watching the Hibs team you played for And especially the Celtic team you played for You were always a centre half who liked to bring the ball out from the back Obviously that's in vogue a lot more now do you feel that Tony Mowbray was Obviously you grounding at Newcastle Two under Sir Bobby and in the loan spells But do you feel that Tony Mowbray was a, a really big Influence on yourself in terms of having that Confidence week on week to bring the ball Out from the back and have patience In, in terms of taking the ball out
1: Yeah that, I think like I said he was the first Manager in, in league football That kind of you know, Coach playing out for the back And positional and play and, and where we want to play the passes And Analysis the opposition, how you hurt them and stuff like that. But I think Alan Irvine and Tommy Craig were were the biggest influences on me as a as a footballer because of the education they gave me at Newcastle and they they forced it on you to to play out through the back. And uh, I I still speak to Alan now and uh, different coaching things and that. And I, and I talked to him about he he gave you the tools to to do anything. So there was games where. We would make mistakes and get caught and, and lose, and then on the Monday we would analyse, you know, what went wrong and work on playing in different areas, playing diagonal balls, dropping it into strikers, and he almost gave you all the tools you needed to to be a footballer. Then wherever you went in your career, you 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 had the right tools. If a manager just wanted you to kick it up the park, then then you could do that. But he had showed you everything else as well. So. I
0: was fortunate that I had that education from, from two fantastic coaches In terms of your time at Hibs Gary It was a, a time in your career Where you were playing really well every week And you were starting to gather quite a lot of interest As your contract was was coming to an end And it's obviously well documented That you'd agreed a pre-contract agreement with Celtic How did the move to Celtic come about And when you heard Celtic were in for you Having been a fan grown up Was it a no-brainer that's where you were going?
1: brainer as soon as their interest was kind of concrete. Uh, I remember Gordon Strachan came came round my house, That's a, I used to live right in the centre of Edinburgh in a flat in Edinburgh and he came round my house one night with a, a little woolly hat on and a jacket right up, <laughs> sneaking <laughs> in sneaking my house and uh, had a chat to me uh, and, and once that was kind of on the table then, then there was no other decision really for me to make. I always kept... Tony Mowbray in the loop with everything he knew everything and in f- fact the day I signed I wanted to tell him and he was he was gutted, he said at the time I'm gutted obviously but I'm also really happy for you to, to get that move and, and have the opportunity to play for Celtic because he'd obviously done that as a player as well and knew how, how good it was so uh, he was always in the loop, he knew everything and then he, he said to me do you want to play on Saturday and I said of course I do, I want to play every game till the end of the season and uh, he supported me massively in, in that period because there was the first game in particular against Aberdeen. I made a mistake for right. a goal early, and there was a lot of booing and that every time I touched the ball. So it was it was difficult psychologically, but uh, he was a great support and helping me get through that period.
0: When you sign a pre-contract agreement, Gary, is it? I'm not. I've never questioned your professionalism or anyone's, but. Just subconsciously Are you thinking ahead to the summer With your next club Or are you able to be professional enough To make sure your 100% focus Is on the team you're at at the moment Which in this case was Hibs I think it d- d- depends on the d- individual I think everyone would probably
1: Treat it differently I've seen some players who, who just won't play And, and maybe you know, go on the treatment table More than, than they, they normally would uh, But for me it was I'm employed by Hibs. I have to give my best to Hibs until you know that day that that I either move in the summer or it changed in January. And ultimately, it didn't change in January. So from February, I had to get my head down and uh, get on with it. I actually had to play against Celtic twice, which w- was a bit difficult uh, in terms of playing against the people that you're you're going to be working with in the summer. But uh, I think like all experiences. You learn from it; it makes you stronger. Uh, and it, for me, I, I finished the season at Hibs as as player of the year, and and that gave me great kind of pride to to show that even in those kind of five months where people could maybe question, you know, if I was given everything, then uh, it showed that the the players decided I was player of the year. So I, I was I was proud that I'd. Showed what what the club meant to me And I gave everything right Till the last day
0: that that I was there You mentioned the fact that You won Player's Player of the Year In that last season Which is testament to yourself In terms of your professionalism Because as you mentioned there When a pre-contract is signed It must be easy As you've mentioned For a lot of characters Not yourself obviously in this case To down tools and prepare for the summer But credit to you And obviously You spend those six months Last six months at Hibs How do you reflect on your time at Hibs overall?
1: I loved it. Like I like to say it's still a club. You know, when I go back, I get good, good feeling when I go on Easter Road. Uh, a lot of the people that still work uh, the training ground, Tam and Joyce, the, the kit, kit man and women are still there. And I went back with Patrick Fissel to train there before the the Hearts uh, Cup replay uh, last season. And seeing the people that you know you, you knew, kind of, uh, nearly fifteen year ago now. Probably, <laughs> it's. Uh, it's nice to see those people and, and like I said It's a club that uh, I really hold close to my heart Because of the two spells That I had
0: there You get to Celtic that summer And Obviously a different manager you go from working under Tony Mowbray To Gordon Strachan When you went to Celtic Gary Obviously how proud were you Considering you were a fan Growing up first of all
1: Yeah I was delighted My, my family were probably More excited than me They were They were buzzing And <laughs> uh, it was a nightmare getting tickets for every game uh, because there was there was so many in the family that, that wanted to go, but uh, I was proud. But for me, it, it's always just, you know, it's the next challenge and I don't really, I think when you get older and probably now when I finish my career and I look back and talk to my kids about different things and, you know, it's probably more special than it was at the time, uh, I was very driven and single-minded that I just wanted to play and I knew that the challenge of Celtic the quality of player that they had I had to go and and work harder and be better than I was uh, at Hibs to to get in the team first of all and then stay in the team so uh, I think when you're in football you're you're just so focused on doing your job you don't really think about uh, the impact and, and what it actually means
0: You get to Celtic obviously having been at Hibs for a few years Was the standard in training Just up another notch Obviously playing with More international players Than you had been before
1: Yeah the standard was up And the running was up as well I remember that first pre-season Was terrific Uh, I I had heard before I went Gordon Strachan's pre-season Was pretty uh, Known throughout football That you know He worked you hard And and training was tough But that was a a Really difficult pre-season But I think that's one thing that the Gordon Strachan, kind of, and for me, he, he pushed everything in my game to, to another level, and he almost, you know, he encouraged you, but he, he also kind of, you know, was really hard at times and, and pushed you to, to be better. And he was a, a perfect manager for me at that time in my career to, to, to take me and, and my game, and like I said, the different parts of my game, not just kind of the fitness, but. You know, playing out for the back and not making mistakes and, and being focused on defending. Uh, he took all my game to, to a whole new level uh, when I was at Celtic.
0: What was he like on the training field every day? Obviously, he's very passionate about football and he's very forthright in his opinions about coaching as well. Was he a very hands-on coach?
1: He was. He loves coaching. He loves being on the grass. Uh, it was always fun. He... You know he's a he's a he's a funny character. He's always you know got a joke or or something to say to, to lighten the mood. But when he got in the training pitch, he was he was serious. He, he pushed people. He was you know attention to detail, and his standards were were very high. And if you didn't live by those standards, then then you, you, you fell away or you didn't play. And uh, like I said, I felt he was a he was a perfect manager for me at that time because I needed someone to. To believe in me, what she did, and, and also push me and, and encourage me to, to be better and he definitely did that for my game.
0: In terms of the players you played alongside in that season at Celtic, Gary, obviously having as you mentioned there, you came from Hibbs who had some great players, obviously, alongside yourself. We mentioned Tam McManus, Scott Brown, all of those type of players. But when you go to Celtic, there was quite a few players I'm interested to ask you about. Neil Lennon obviously what was he like in training every day we know what he's like as a manager he's incredibly passionate I imagine every training session was like a World Cup final to him
1: he was yeah I actually sat next to Lenny uh, in the changing rooms at at, at Celtic Park when I first went we still trained at Barrowfield so we we changed at Celtic Park and uh, Lenny was a fantastic captain he he made you feel welcome straight away and then on the training pitch you seen the other side of Lenny and you know, if you were on the, the opposite team to him, then you were the enemy. And it was, you know, I think that was a big thing about that Celtic team was training was 100%, sometimes even harder than games because of the competition within the squad, because of the characters within the squad. Uh, there was a real competitive edge to training every day. And I think that's what drove us to, to be such a successful team.
0: Two technical players I really want to ask you about. In terms of training And just overall Ability Aidan McGeady And and Shinsuke Nakamura Obviously two of the most Technical players We've probably seen In Scottish football Nakamura especially In the last 15 or 20 years Just how good were they To play alongside They
1: were fantastic Both of them were Match winners You know You could You know Be playing really badly And and they could Produce something Out of nothing that, That could change a game And that is so important in, in teams, if, if you want to be successful, you want to win leagues, you, know, you need players that, that can do that. Uh, Shinsuke was, was great when you had the ball, not so great when you didn't. I remember playing right-back occasionally and he, he often, although he was left-footed, he played on the right side to, to cut in on his left foot. And When we didn't have the ball, I'd be screaming at him and he didn't speak great English. But that day he must have understood what I was saying because he, he put his hands, he cupped his hands over his ears and, and told me to shut up a few, <laughs> a few times because I was constantly getting on at him to work back. And But I think we, as a team, we, we kind of understood that, that he was that kind of gem in the team and at times away from home we had to let him. Uh, Stay out and sheet a little bit in the game, and we knew if we got the ball to him, he could pick a pass or, or produce a free kick or a shot that would get us a goal and change the game. And, and that's where other players, in terms of I think you like Barry Robson and Paul Hartley, you know, great players in their own right, but had to do kind of more work off the ball to, to help cover for.
0: In terms of that first season, it was a dressing Room that had, even throughout your whole time It had a lot of Scottish players in it, you obviously Had Kenny Miller, Paul Hartley Mark Wilson, Derek Riordan Who played at Hibs with you, Stephen Presley um, Sean Maloney among others Stephen McManus, obviously your defensive Partner, was it really positive Having lots of Scottish players In the changing and really just understood The league and obviously complementing that With guys like Shinsuke Yeah I think
1: it was and we had a, a great team spirit. You know, we all got on. Uh, there was no uh, like uh, with Nakamura. Everyone spoke the language. You know, they, we had good banter in the training ground every day. Uh, so there was a real team spirit. That again, every successful team has to have that. You you don't just turn up and win. You have to create a real spirit, and you have to. Be willing to, to Fight for each other and, and we've definitely Had that Within that
0: dressing room Before we come to that Domestic season I'm interested to focus On the Champions League Because For every Young young boy Grown up Playing at the elite level Is, is the dream And I'm sure that was the case For you too You're in a group Obviously with Manchester United Copenhagen And Benfica What was Gordon Stratton's Reaction to that draw? Uh, I think Every
1: draw in the Champions League's difficult <laughs> So when you look at the group, the quality of teams that we, we played, the, the, the quality of players, it is, for me, the highlight of, of my career and, and probably anyone's career. To, to When you hear that music, when you're playing against, you know, really, really world-class players uh, that test you to the very limit, then uh, it was such a, a great thing to be a part of. And The Knights at Celtic Park will well, kind of live with me forever. And, Uh, they are special, special occasions that uh, the fans really get up for and even, you know, Messi and and Seedorf, I remember when they came they said it's such a special stadium and for guys that have played all over the world to say that I think it shows uh, how how good it is to to play at Celtic Park on a Champions League night
0: You mentioned that growing up, obviously you loved Celtic but you also loved Man United and that was an ambition of yours to play there one day How special was it playing Firstly Old Trafford In that narrow 3-2 defeat But then obviously Defeating them at Celtic Park On Actually funnily enough My birthday The 21st of November 2006 What was it like To not only play against them But beat them as well? Yeah it was brilliant It was I
1: think Old Trafford's my You know Down in England My favourite stadium uh, To to play at So to to go there On a Champions League night And we had the, the top Stand uh, behind the goal opposite the Stretford end and it was about 10,000 Celtic fans and the atmosphere was incredible. Normally Man U just give you the, a, a small amount in the corner but for that night we had 10,000 Celtic supporters there and it was incredible. We took the league twice in the game and, and still lost. It's, uh, it was a Man U team then that was full of character and, and world-class players so uh, just to to compete against them and, and try and get a result against them there was amazing but then to, to get them at home and, and win and qualify was a fantastic night for the club uh and, and for Scottish football.
0: Qualifying obviously a great achievement and what do you remember of Nakamura's free kick that night?
1: I remember thinking it was really far out and he, you know like to to score was was going to need to be an outrageous free kick. The one he scored at Old Trafford was a lot closer. Uh, but the, the pace that he used to hit them with And the swerve And, and the accuracy that he got uh, was It was so much in the corner That Van der Sar couldn't get over And, and I think he got maybe fingertips to it But a fantastic free kick uh, to, to win a game of, of that size uh, at, at that moment Shows the, the quality that he had
0: We mentioned there The fact that the club qualifies To the knockout stages And you get AC Milan two games that were very tight and very close. How heartbreaking was it to go out at the San Siro due to some incredible brilliance from Kaká?
1: Yeah, it was, but I think it, it showed how, how good a team we were that we could go toe-to-toe with, you know, any semi team that had Maldini and Kaká and Sidoff Pirlo, you know, like top, top players, and... and We had a team that was willing and capable to to push them right to the limit And uh, like I said I think that shows how how good we were And and we were probably a little bit underrated uh, Because we qualified again the next season for the last 16 And that's something that had never been done in Scottish football And and possibly might never be done again Uh, Shows how how good a side we were
0: That season domestically was very good Obviously a, a league and Scottish Cup double Neil Lennon's last game that season Obviously was the Cup Final 2 How was the domestic season? Were you obviously Gordon Strachan A very good coach Had you motivated from the start To to win a League and Cup double In your first season At your boyhood club Just how proud did that make you?
1: Yeah it was brilliant To be honest I was, was a bit kind of down That we didn't win a treble I think That, that team was probably good enough But it's so difficult to win a treble and that's why Celtic's achievements recently are, are quite incredible the the, the consistency uh, and the, the focus to win you know cup games in particular you can have the odd blip in the league and still win the league but to win the cup games like they have and, and uh, win the trebles like they have is, is fantastic because we were a really really good side and, and still didn't win a treble because you have that one off day the wrong day and you can be out a cup, and, and we had that. I think it was Falker that put us out the League yeah. Cup on penalties that season. Uh, but winning the double was was obviously special. It's again something that you know doesn't get done every year. But uh, there was a tinge of disappointment that we we couldn't make it a treble.
0: I have to ask you about this man. He's he's spoken about in in, in many circles. It was last season at Celtic where he would really played in the team quite regularly. And that man's Thomas Gravison. Just how mental was he on a daily basis in training And to play with on the park?
1: He was crazy Uh, He was the best player in seven asides Every day uh, By a mile Uh, But then when it got to the the 11 aside, I think the the pitch got a bit big for him (laughs) And (laughs) uh, the gaffer would, would Kind of pull his hair out Telling him certain things to do And he'd just go off and do his own thing But an unbelievable talent and a, and a great character in and around the, the, the training ground but he was only really interested in playing pool every day he used to bring his own <laughs> pool queue in and play all the young lads at pool cy ferry and paul caddis used to have great fun with him playing pool but he had a unique character and uh, he was for his time he was there he, he contributed but i think that the gaffer couldn't take much more of him and he, he wasn't there very long
0: was he someone who was just always up to mischief at training and in the changing room before it and is that what really ultimately in the end just drove Gordon mad?
1: He was, yeah, he was just, like I said, he was he was mad. He, was, he, he would come in with his pool queue and, and be straight in playing pool with the young lads and then when we'd go out to training he'd be the last one out to training. But in training his his technical ability was, was phenomenal uh, and then he'd just come running straight in back on the pool table and and even like, his strength was incredible how strong he was But would never be in the gym He, he, he just had this natural body strength that uh, You couldn't get the ball off him So, a, a unique character uh, And somebody that uh, brought a lot to, to the team Maybe not on the park, but off the park He was he was
0: brilliant What's the craziest thing you ever saw him do during your time with
1: him? I can't even remember, I'm losing my memory uh, Heading too many balls, I think it he, he was just somebody that was always laughing, and if the gaffer said something, he would comment, you know. And he, he was he wasn't scared of that to, to say what, whatever he thought. I remember his first game; he, he got man of the match, I think, at Aberdeen away, and uh, he gave the bottle of champagne to the gaffer and said, "This is for you." And he was just he was just <laughs> unique and uh, everything he did. The second season, um, Gary, another very good season at the club. You
0: were at the club during a. A good spell for the most part Another league title in the bag And another Champions League last 16 Qualification in the bag as well What was the second season like Compared to the first under Gordon? Uh, I
1: think the second season was always harder I had an injury at the end of the first season uh, Which meant I had to kind of fight for my place in, in the second season Then I had to spell it right back Where I think anyone that seen me play right back would say I wasn't the best right back in the world but uh, I think the gaffer trusted me and he, he knew that I could do a job and he knew I wasn't the best right back in the world but we had a few injuries uh, so it was a difficult spell in terms of you know playing out of position and, and not playing that well but he was a tremendous uh, support at that time he, he kept backing me, kept believing in me and then when I went back into centre half Felt like the next eighteen months, me and Stevie McManus really got a, a kind of partnership uh, that was was very solid and and gave us a lot of success uh, for that kind of eighteen months. And it was probably the best spell I had. My, my last eighteen months under Gordon Strachan.
0: In terms of that second season, Gary, it was a season where the club obviously lose at home to Motherwell on the fifth of April. Um, And it's Again You lose a game at home Simon Lappin gets a go, And you think to yourself That's got to be the title over What was the reaction Of Gordon Strachan And yourselves After that game in particular When all hope Looked as if it was lost We were very flat
1: Obviously uh, Down But I think the one thing The gaffer was brilliant at Monday morning He'd come in He'd be positive He'd be His usual bubbly self And he'd pick us up to to go again and and say nothing is is lost until it's over. And we kept chiffing away. We we had a a hunger in the squad and a desire that we felt with the two Rangers games at home, we still had an opportunity to to win the league. We would have to be perfect in terms of every other game as well. But we knew if we could beat Rangers both games and we still had a slim chance of winning the league. and, And that proved to be the case.
0: The famous night of that league title race has to be the 2-1 win over Rangers at, at Celtic Park in one of the most eventful games. You get the Nakamura goal, which is just outside of the boot and is utterly extraordinary. Novo equalising and then again, you think all hope's lost until you chip that incredible diagonal pass um, in. And good of Hesselink obviously gets, gets the goal. What was that game like to play in because it was, And what's any Celtic Rangers game like to play in Because the atmosphere that night As, as it was in most of those games Was just electric from the get-go
1: Yeah, they're, they're unique they're, They really are incredible The the build-up to them The the pressure, the nerves uh, the I think it's the, the The thought of losing Used to kind of Drive me on to, to make sure that we, We've done everything to win Because the thought of losing them to your rivals and, and having to kind of live with that for however long it was until the next game was always something that, that drove me on. Uh, that game was, was special in itself because it was a night game. There wasn't many old-firm night games uh, and that being under the likes at Celtic Park and a game of, you know, such magnitude in terms of if we lost or drew, we knew the league was over. Uh And it was just an incredible atmosphere Uh, And and to win it as we did late uh, Was was brilliant memories and a great
0: feeling You win that game and you've got to play Rangers Just 11 days later Again Celtic Park a 3-2 win Scott McDonald gets two goals And Barry Robson scores a crucial penalty as well Having beaten Rangers twice in quick succession Was that the real turning point for No this is going to be our time and we cannot slip up
1: Yeah, without a doubt. Like I said, I think we always knew having them both games at home. They had an amazing Europa League run that year and that took its toll on them as well. So uh, we knew that if we won both those games, we would have momentum and and we would have an opportunity to, to win the league again. So it was a fantastic comeback when, like I said, we had to be perfect. We knew every game the pressure was on and... Uh, we had players in the, the dressing room Who could deal with that And, and could go out and, and get the job done And we won a few games 1-0 I remember we beat Aberdeen at home 1-0 The last game we beat Dundee United 1-0 We didn't play really well But we just knew how to win uh, and, and get the job done And it was a, a fantastic uh, League to, to win that season Because Rangers were a very, very good side that year
0: A very emotional season For the club as well Obviously due to the sad passing of of club legend and Scottish football legend Tommy Burns Just how did that add an extra level of determination To the players and management team To to really win the league for Tommy Because what a, an incredible person he was Not just for, for Celtic but for Scottish football And in terms of him in and around the club over the years Just a, an incredible man Oh without a doubt yeah Tommy was a, a
1: brilliant coach Brilliant person a, a proper Celtic man. Uh, I worked with him at Scotland as well, and, and when his kind of illness took its toll and he, he wasn't around the place, you you could feel he wasn't there. You know, he added so much to, to Gordon Strachan's backroom team. Uh, and when he passed away, the, the funeral was, was the most incredible thing I've ever seen, the amount of people that, that turned out to... Uh, to show what he meant to them and what he meant to Celtic showed just what a man he was and in fact the, the Dundee United game I've never played a game in my life where I, I just knew we were going to win and, and I don't know if it was because of Tommy or, or what it was but there was there was a nerve like you always get but there wasn't the feeling of you know this could go wrong or there was a nervousness but a, an anticipation that I knew we were going to win the game And and I think that was down to Tommy and the situation that the club found herself in after his passing.
0: In terms of that season, obviously we mentioned the fact that another season of last 16 Champions League football. You get the chance to play AC Milan again, this time at home in the group stage. And we all remember Scott McDonald's last minute goal. Just how good was it to, to, to finally beat them after them putting the club out in the Champions League the season before?
1: because it was still the, the same team you know a team that had just recently won it uh, they had great quality right through the team uh, and and to beat them again showed showed the quality we had we, we didn't beat them by you know sitting in and, and trying to nick it on the counter attack we beat them by going toe to toe to them and it was a brilliant night that night it was pouring the rain really wet night and uh, it was a great night to play football uh, and to, to win like we did again in the last minute uh, was was brilliant. I, I think it shows that the both uh, Champions League campaigns. You know we had a lot of late goals and last minute goals, and it shows the fine lines between success and failure. But also showed the the spirit and the the winning mentality within the group of players. We just kept going. It also showed our fitness levels thanks to the <laughs> Gordon Strachan's pre seasons and and the work that we did during the week. Uh, the team was very fit and, and we never knew when we were beaten We pushed teams, the very best teams Right to the edge and managed
0: to score their late goals because of that the, the last 16 tie this time comes up against Barcelona who've obviously At the time they've got Xavi, Iniesta, Messi, Thierry Henry was still around At the time and a world class talent as well In that home game The club takes the lead in that game twice But ultimately loses 3-2 Was that team one of the one of the most incredible teams you've ever faced in your career
1: Yeah they were awesome uh, I've still actually got the, the Prozone stats for that game And they had something like 780 passes That night, I don't know I can't remember the possession was about 80% Or something stupid They were just, you just couldn't get the ball off them They were so good technically Any mistakes you made They punished, I, I made the mistake For the third goal and only bent The ball into the top corner. It was just an outrageous finish. They were just on a different level to even other teams we'd played in the Champions League. Uh, And it was an absolute kind of honour to play against them and compete with with people of that quality.
0: In terms of a game like that, Gary, how does Gordon Strachan and yourselves as a team approach it? Obviously Barcelona have got some of the best players in the world and, and... in terms of personnel, they clearly have better personnel In terms of the salaries etc And the transfer fees would probably show that But going into that game The approach obviously is a point of We deserve to be here We're really close to them on this night Yeah, You have to tactically be aware of what
1: they're good at what they're not good at And, and obviously try and use that uh, We were very big that night on on high balls And, and putting set pieces into the box And free kicks. And I remember the first free kick we got, we all went up to try and pile in the box. And the line they took was about, you know, 15 yards higher than where it normally would be. And we were all kind of spooked by it. But they'd obviously done their work knowing that we were going to bombard them airily. And they pushed their line so high that it became impossible to almost get it in the box. And uh, it just showed the level of player, the level of detail that... that we were up against but we did manage to score two headed great-headed goals that night uh, but still wasn't enough because of the, the quality that they had in the final third that any any little mistake or any little gap that they had that they, they would punish in they, they scored three amazing goals Messi got two Henri got one and uh, they, they were far better than us and, and we were kind of at our very limits just to kind of stay with them and, and compete with them as we did.
0: In that season as well Gary It's Scott Brown's first season at the club Was was Scott different A different player when he arrived at Celtic Compared to his time at Hibs Or was he just the same old Scott Brown you always knew?
1: No he was the same Scott When he first came I think he's changed over the years And now you see a different player In terms of his uh, tactical awareness And his, his composure on the pitch I think back then he was A more energetic Box to box midfielder Who could score goals uh, And I think over the years That Celtic He's developed his game And, and became a more rounded player uh, But back then Yeah he was just the same Mad Scott That <laughs> I knew from Hibs He came, came into Celtic And added his, his character And his quality To an already very good team
0: Two players that season and In both seasons We were talking about just there Who were very influential Were Arta Boric And of course Aidan McGeady as well there are two players who Gordon Strachan's been on record as saying At times could be slightly challenging, shall we say, to manage What were they like <laughs> in and around the squad every day And their relationship with each other?
1: Yeah, their relationship with each other was non-existent yeah. <laughs> 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 they, they didn't get on great with each other I, I think we can say there was a couple of skirmishes on the pitch and the changing rooms that uh, showed their the dislike for each other But I think the good thing about that squad was we all kind of got on as teammates. We all understood, you know, we were here to win for Celtic. Uh, and while she might not be the best of pals with people, you, you still respect them and, and kind of get on with them as teammates. But Arthur was the best goalie I've, I've ever played with. He had a period where he was almost, you know, unstoppable. The, the saves that he was making and uh, game after game. He was just really on it and he was probably one of the best goalies in the world for a, a period of about a year, a year and a half uh, and uh On that period in, in Champions League nights, I think Benfica at home was one of them where he, he was just, you know, again, unstoppable in terms of when he had the ball, he could go by people for fun, he had end product, he was scoring goals uh, and he really was a, one of the best talents in Europe uh, at that time.
0: Another uh, player I'm interested to ask about In a different kind of capacity is Scott McDonald Scott obviously had scored goals at Motherwell But were you and the players around The Celtic team is shocked By his start at the club And how many goals he scored in his first couple of seasons No, Scott
1: was a, a brilliant player uh, Came with a really strong attitude Strong mentality uh, Believed in himself he could come and score goals for Celtic and made that number nine shot his own in terms of leading the line for Celtic and he was somebody assigned recently for, for Partick Thistle after he'd been out of the game for, for nine months and came in and scored goals there. He's, uh, he's a really infectious character he's he's energetic, he works hard and uh, he's had an absolutely brilliant career uh, and his spell at Celtic he'll probably say was, was his best period in terms of Goals at, at such a, a high level And, and big goals uh, He always scored in the in the big games Because like I said He had that mentality
0: And belief in himself I know Gordon Strachan At the end of that season Has been on record After he left the club Saying that he maybe Should have, have left that summer After winning the league At Tarradice But obviously With the sad passing Of Toby Burns He felt that like it, it was only right That he stayed on For one more year And was seen as, as The face of the club Taking it forward Going on to Gordon's last year, Gary, was, was he the same Gordon Strachan as the first couple of years you'd worked with him or could you tell he was starting to maybe get a wee bit burned out?
1: I, I couldn't really tell at the time. Probably, again, looking back now, it yeah, possibly was maybe a little bit different uh, because Tommy wasn't there and and the the team had the, the coaching team had been broken up. It, it might have changed slightly in terms of how he approached things, but... It didn't feel any different at the time from from a playing point of view. Uh, we were just a little bit short that that season in terms of we were probably one one goal away if we'd scored at uh, Easter Road in the second last game of the season, we'd have probably went on to win the league. But uh, we just fell a little bit short for for probably a number of different reasons. Uh, and Rangers, like I said at that time, were, were much stronger with Walter Smith coming back. They had momentum and had been. Building a, a team for a number of years, and, and we're
0: a really strong team. In Gordon's last season, as you mentioned, there the club is in the group stage of the Champions League, win the League Cup, quarter final of the Scottish Cup. As you've said, just come up short in the league. Ultimately, in the end, when Gordon announces that he's going to leave at the end of the season, how did yourself in the dressing room react to that? Considering they'd brought a lot of success up until he'd left.
1: Yeah, we were all disappointed because you know would what. Four years he'd been been there. I'd worked with him for three of those. You know, everyone had a good relationship with him, and you, you never, you know, it's never nice to see a manager leave, but not one especially that we had such success with and got on with. So uh, it was really disappointing for everyone. But uh, you have to move on. You have to try and keep progressing, and uh, we, we didn't really manage to do that as a club. In
0: terms, before we come on to the Tony Mowbray season. Just I'm interested to end that Gordon Strachan's here Hopefully in a a humorous note It was the The first season Paddy McCourt came to the club And you mentioned that Gordon Strachan's Fitness regime was very intense How did Paddy cope with that? Not
1: very well (laughs) Uh, I remember his first day We went for a run He he brought Gregory Dupont A French fitness coach A a really good fitness coach Came in uh, To the club under, Under Gordon And at times Gordon would do his own run and at times Gregory would get allowed to do his so the first day Gregory was allowed to do his run and it was all uh, heart rate and uh, kind of meticulous in terms of sports science and Paddy was about a pitch behind everyone, we all ran (laughs) as a group and it was fairly comfortable so the whole group could do it pretty easily but Paddy was at least a pitch behind everyone so he kind of got through the day and we were sitting at lunch and he sat with me at lunch and he said to me at lunch, he said, is it as hard as that every day? <laughs> and I said, "That that's as easy as it's going to get. I said, it's only going to get harder. And you could see his face kind of sink. He thought, wow. Uh, so yeah, Paddy wasn't, wasn't a fan of the running, but what a player Absolutely. in terms of technique. Uh, running with the ball, 1v1 situations, he could glide past people. and uh, a, a fantastic talent, but... Uh, not, not a huge fan of Gordon Strachan's
0: seconds From one character in Paddy on to another in, in Samaras, a, a, a polarising character with the support um, through the years at times, but and I'm interested to know, he was a player who, for me, was hot or cold. He, on his good days, he looked world-class, but on an off day, he looked as if he wouldn't score in three hours of a game. What was he like to play with? Was he equally as frustrating as a player, or did you always back him?
1: it could be frustrating because that's a, a lovely guy who's probably too nice a guy to, to be a football player uh, really nice guy got on with everyone really talented uh, but like you say some games could be a world beater and other games you, you wanted to shake him uh, but a really a good teammate a really nice guy uh, to, to play with and went on to become quite a popular figure amongst all the fans and, and have a, a very good career
0: at, at the club During Gordon Strachan's time I have to ask you about your partnership with Stephen McManus It's a partnership that To be honest Gary I think I've got a lot of friends who are Celtic supporters And I think they look back now having Even in Gordon Strachan's era As manager And obviously your partnership with Stephen McManus And I think it's far more appreciated now Than it maybe was at the time What was your relationship like with Stephen On the pitch and also off the pitch Were you close off the pitch Considering you really were Just as I say for a period of a few years The strongest partnership in Scottish football
1: Yeah we were We were were friends off the pitch uh, And on it I think we had a really Good understanding We were both honest players Who who both had deficiencies In our game and we worked hard to, To cover each other and help each other And I believe that's how Good teams, good partnerships, good units within the team work that you have to help each other. You have to be uh, good teammates for each other, and I think we just clicked in that regard. Him being left-footed, and me being right, it gave it a really good balance. Neither of us were quick, so we we understood, you know, where we wanted our line to be. We could never be too high. Uh, so yeah, I think we complemented each other really well, and and he was he was an enjoyable. Uh, player to play with, and and it, we had a lot
0: of success together. You guys obviously were the main partnership at the club at that time. Bobo Baldi was in and around the club. He wasn't playing a lot at that point for for numerous reasons. Did you what did you did he train with the first team at all at that point, or was he always with the youths? No, he did. He trained with
1: the first team. Uh, he played some games as well, uh, and around that time, I played some games with him, and he was he was a different type of centre half to me and. And Mick, he, he had real physicality and real aggression, fantastic in the air. Uh, but Gordon wanted to play a little bit more, and, and that probably wasn't his biggest strength. And, and that was why me and kind of Mick cemented those places of their own. But he was a fantastic uh, professional and, and character, and around the place, and uh, had had a great Celtic career before that, winning loads of trophies, and uh, continued that as, as part of the squad.
0: That summer, obviously, Gordon Strachan leaves the club and he's replaced by Tony Mowbray. Having worked with Tony Mowbray before And his brand of football, as he was coming in, were you very excited to work with him again? And did you think it was going to work initially?
1: Yeah, I did. I thought it would be perfect, the, the way he wanted to play. Uh, having known the club, you know, he, he had had a strong relationship with the supporters and, and played for the club before. And I was really excited when, when he became... Uh, The the next manager
0: He comes in And obviously His spell at the club Doesn't Doesn't last An awful long time And From the outside Looking in It seemed as if He wanted to change An awful lot Quite quickly Was that the sense In the dressing room As well?
1: Yeah it was A little bit I think Look it's difficult Going into any football club as, As the manager But to go into Celtic When it had been Fairly successful Although we lost previous season we lost.
0: time Gary I'm interested to ask you this question from the outside looking again and from rumours over the years a lot of people say that the backroom staff obviously everyone tried their best but they maybe weren't the most in tune with each other and each other's ideas did the players kind of gather that as the months went on under them?
1: no I didn't feel that I think he was he was set again in his ways of, of playing uh, I think at times in Europe we had to probably be a bit more pragmatic uh, I remember we went away to Moscow And, and got a brilliant result to, to qualify for The next round of the Champions League But at times we were probably a bit too Expansive and too open and You know you can get away with that At Hibs and lose the odd game but you, you can't Get away with that at Celtic And that, that probably cost uh, Tony in the end
0: Get into that January transfer window Of that, of that season you leave The club as the to be honest with you, looking back, what feels like half the team you leave: Barry Robson, Willow Flood, Stephen McManus goes, um, Scott McDonald. It just felt that, like, as I say, a lot of change just far too soon. What was it like for you? Did you want to leave Celtic at that point, or were you were you basically told to look for a new club?
1: No, I didn't want to leave. I was I was in contract talks before Gordon had left, really, and then. When Tony came in, uh, I was hoping they were going to kind of get finalised and, and kind of commit my future to Celtic. But uh, I felt like I wasn't, you know, valued by the club as as much as I felt I was given to the club, as happens in football. And uh, Tony couldn't really kind of push that anymore, so it was it was only natural that my contract would would run out, and, and I need to look uh, elsewhere to to play football. So. Uh, I didn't really want to leave It wasn't like a push to leave But uh, in the end I felt like I had to had to leave to, uh, to progress in my career
0: Your next club after Celtic is Wigan Athletic Before we come to them How do you reflect on your time at Celtic overall Gary?
1: I loved it It was the highlight of my career In, in terms of you know, playing for the club I supported Champions League, winning league titles and cups Playing with some brilliant players and, and great teammates, working with Gordon Strachan, uh, and just playing in front of the Celtic support was was an incredible experience and, and one I'll always always be thankful for.
0: Were you ever close to joining Gordon Strachan at Middlesbrough? Has that seemed to be the rumour for quite a long time during that transfer window?
1: It very is the answer, and I had to. <laughs> uh, Tell him I'd changed my mind at the at the last minute. I was I spent the whole weekend down in Middlesbrough uh, with Gordon and Leslie and seen the facilities. I'd done my medical on the Monday morning uh and then Tuesday night Wigan came back in and there was kinda to and fro and then on the, the, the Tuesday morning I, I changed my mind and, and signed for, for Wigan and had to tell the gaffer uh and he wasn't best pleased but <laughs> I've spoken to him since and uh, made up with him but he he was great with it after at the time, he was very angry and it was actually something I learned as I became a manager whenever I was trying to sign a player, I made sure they signed on the line because until the player is signed then then anything can happen and uh, that was the case that night that Roberto uh, and Wigan came back in and and changed my mind and, and I went to Wigan
0: was the reason you went to Wigan primarily because you just couldn't turn down Premier League football at that time?
1: That and and money. Fin- financially, it was, you know, it was night and day, the, the, the contracts that were on offer. Uh, the fact that they were in the Premier League the first place. but working with Gordon was, was a big pull at that time. Uh but when they came back in and showed how much they wanted me And to be a part of things
0: uh, then, then it was a no-brainer I, I, I had to go to Wigan You obviously, Gary, have played for Celtic You've played in the Champions League with Celtic We'll come to your Scotland career later on What was the standard of football like Playing in the English Premier League week in, week out? It
1: was difficult That that was the big thing Was When you play the Champions League nights You get them and kind of you know, small little bursts, but the the challenge to to play these, you know, that type of player or that quality of player every week was was really appealing to me and seeing if you could cope with the demands of that. Uh, It was different coming to Wigan. I remember the first day's training, I thought, what have I done? The training was slow. The players were kind of joking about. I remember after about 10 minutes, I went in and, and tackled someone and put them right up in there. And I remember everyone looking at me as if to say, what, what is he doing? You know, like, what's going on here? And the mentality of the group at that time wasn't great. And I think that was a big reason why Roberto had brought me in to try and, to try and change that. So it was challenging in the early period at Wigan. But over time, we, we became a really a really good team. Always fighting down the the lower end of the, the Premier League But for the club's size and the budget we had We always did really well and competed really
0: well You mentioned the fact the club competed in the Premier League Albeit at the lower end for, for the majority of your time there Just how good a coach is Roberto Martinez? Because the job he did at Wigan like overall was just phenomenal When you talk about the budget and the size of the club Yeah, he's a brilliant
1: coach He, he actually... You know, I was 28 when I went there, and uh, he he really opened my eyes to coaching and, and uh, different ways of playing the game, different formations, uh, and becoming the captain and, and being really close to him. I learned a lot, learned a lot about kind of playing, but I learned a lot that I've taken into my kind of management and coaching career as well uh, from him. And he is he is one of the best coaches I've I've worked with without a doubt.
0: What makes him so good? Is it his hands-on training every day Or his man management Or is it just a hybrid of the two? Yeah, I think it's
1: his training It's the way he sees the game uh, In terms of Controlling the ball And positional play And uh, overloads And how he coaches that And we weren't a great team But we could go to Old Trafford and and dominate possession. You know, we beat Man City in the cup final. We beat Liverpool at Anfield. We beat Man U at home. You know, so Wigan had never done that as a club before. They'd never beaten a team in the top four before Roberto went there. And all of a sudden, with the style of play and and having that belief that that we can control the games with the ball, uh, he managed to to do incredible things with the club. The big season
0: that Obviously the, the best season really in, uh, Up there in Wigan's history Obviously the, the 2012-13 season now uh, A lot of people might say Oh the club are relegated Why are you saying that? But the club won the FA Cup Which is for a, for a team like Wigan To win a major honour And in, especially in, in the modern era of Football that's dominated by finances Is just absolutely incredible What was that run to the FA Cup final like? It was
1: amazing uh, and like you say, for in the modern era for a club like Wigan to, to win it, I, I, I do. At the time, again, we didn't, you know, we were just playing football games and trying to win. But looking back, it is it, it's an incredible achievement. I, I was really struggling with, with injuries that season with my hip. Uh, so I didn't actually play any minute of the, the cup run. was on the bench for the semi and the final Uh but just to be involved with the, with the club and, and going through uh, the rounds. I remember the semi-final was the big one. I think it was Arsenal and Man City and Millwall and ourselves. And yep. we were listening to the draw thinking, if, if we get Millwall, we've got a chance here. And we got Millwall and it wasn't easy, but it was a comfortable We won 2 0 It was a relatively comfortable semi-final and uh, going into play Man City in, in the final. Whilst we were massive underdogs, we always felt, like I said, the way we played, we could cause some problems. We actually played them about two weeks before in the league at the Etihad and probably played better than we did in the cup final, but got beat 1-0. And I remember after the game, he came in and he said, like, well done because we'd played so well. Don't be be down, you know, keep your heads up. He said, we will win the FA Cup. Uh, We'll play exactly the same way. We worked on it again, so we were, we were kind of really drilled on how we wanted to play, and it, co- it caused them lots of problems. And and again, we didn't win the FA Cup by just sitting in and and being the underdog and hitting on the counter attack. We were we were really in the game and and uh, played played extremely well, and it was a fantastic day at Wembley.
0: I've spoken to Fraser Five recently, who was on the bench with you that day, and and he spoke about the fact that that whole week leading up to the cup final, Roberto was just so calm. He was confident and he instilled belief in the players Is that your opinion as well From the build up to the final?
1: Yeah he, he had that every game to be honest He had that because of the way he works And the, the knowledge he had of the game And the opposition He he always had a belief that we could compete And and, and be in any game uh, The big thing was we, we got better players Over the time I was there We, we became a really strong squad And uh, in terms of our kind of subs and, and personnel. But that day, we actually, it kind of goes unnoticed that we weren't at full strength either. We had uh, James MacArthur was wing-back that day and Roger Espinosa, another midfielder, was left wing-back. So we didn't have uh, Jean-Bosageur, our normal uh, wing-back, uh, who, was, who was fantastic with Sean Maloney and the relationship they had. Uh, so to do it with, with those two wing-backs shows again How much work the gaffer put in on the training pitch So that people knew their job And knew tactically how we we approach games
0: And that run to the final and the final itself A player who was absolutely sensational Obviously many more players than just one were sensational But somebody that stands out for me Having watched the football at that time Was Callum McManaman He's probably not went on to have maybe the career That if you watched him that season You maybe thought he could have had But just how good was he that season for the club?
1: Phenomenal. He, he, it was probably his breakthrough season, but the final itself was—he was man of the match. He, he, cliche, I don't, I don't think Cliche ever recovered from it. The, the way he just kept going at him. But again, Roberto was really clever. We played—we used to play three-four-three, 3, but that day he played Sean Maloney almost like a false number nine, and and he played split strikers, so uh, Aruna Coney, who went to Everton, and Callum McManaman, I normally a winger played as like a striker, but working down that right-hand channel, and it caused City fullbacks backs all sorts of problems, and, and Sean Maloney was, was magnificent in knowing when to join in attacks, and when to defend, and work hard, and, and be uh, a solid block in midfield for the, for the team, so again, uh, Callum was brilliant, but tactically... Roberto was, was spot on In how he
0: approached the game We all know the iconic moment The corner comes in Ben Watson Headers in And from your reaction On the bench And, and having watched the full game From the side of the park Just how Unbelievable a moment Was that to, to be involved in And to savour As a Wigan player
1: It was incredible We actually We used to share a car From where we stay Me, Sean and Ben uh, We used to drive in To training every day And The chats we used to have in the car about football and and so many different things so it was great that they two combined for for the goal Uh, and Ben had broke his leg twice uh, in in previous seasons and for him to come back, the work he did on his legs, his strength and the way he jumped to to score that goal, I always say it's testament to to him and the the fitness coach uh, Gaz Piper uh, that you know, the, the little bits of hard work that, that the supporters don't see and that all contributes to to massive things happening in football and, and that one moment, you know, won Wigan the FA Cup and, and will for, forever be in, in the
0: history books. The celebrations when Wigan won the FA Cup, obviously having spoken to, to Fraser a few weeks ago, I, for, I, I totally forgot actually when I spoke to him at the time that it wasn't the last game of the season And obviously although the players were able to enjoy it They couldn't maybe enjoy it the way that You would do if it was the last game of the season How frustrating was that For the club in terms of Going from the high of winning the FA Cup But then having to get straight back to league business Not so long after Yeah it
1: was really difficult uh, We actually came back We probably should have stayed in London But we came back uh, To to kind of Wigan and uh, trained on the Sunday evening, and then went back down to London on the Monday and played Arsenal on the Tuesday night. And we were in the game actually it was one each for about half an hour to go, and eventually lost 4-1. Uh, and our, our fate was sealed. We were relegated. So the, the kind of the highs and lows of of football were were encapsulated in the few days.
0: Considering the job that Roberto had done during that time at Wigan. Having won the FA Cup with the club Being so good for yourself and many of the other players Just how emotional was it For many players who played under him When he announced he was leaving to move on to Everton
1: yeah, I think we all kind of had a feeling After the season that that, that was going to be the case that There was opportunities other seasons That he never went And then that season having won the FA Cup I think we all kind of felt that was You know he was going to move on And with the club going down to the Championship It was for him probably the right time to do so And uh, he's still somebody I keep in touch with uh, To this day and, and you know, learn a lot Ask him a lot of advice about coaching and management uh, And he's, he's went on to have a, a great career uh, In management as well So uh, it was always going to happen it's, Like I said it's football and, and the club has to try and move on
0: The club obviously ultimately has its greatest day By winning the FA Cup But is relegated as we've mentioned Roberto leaves And Owen Coyle Comes in Now You obviously At that point Of your career Gary had Struggled with Quite a few injuries And maybe didn't Go on the park As often as you'd have liked Was the change To Owen Coyle And then Uwe Rosler Was that just Such a, a Culture shock Having worked with Roberto for so long Yeah it was And
1: that's you know, something that clubs, you know, the the success planning of of managers. I, I don't kind of see clubs doing that as well as they probably could. That they don't think that Roberto could leave at some point. Who are we looking at that's going to come in that has similar traits, or or do we want different traits uh, in, in our manager? So we just went from different managers. You know, Owen Coyle is a fantastic man manager. Tactically, there's there's not a lot of information. He wants players to go out and express themselves and play. Whereas Roberto was very meticulous in detail. So the players were, were going from one end of the spectrum to the other. And then we went back to Uwe Rosler, who was probably a bit in between both and, and very high on fitness and energy. So each time was different. With Uwe, we actually had relative success. We go back to the FA Cup semi-final. Uh, and got to the playoffs in the championship. And were very close to, to getting promotion, uh, but then that changed again the following year. So there was it was a difficult period for the club because of the the, the changes in managers and over a short period of time.
0: Uh, it was diff- difficult for the club in that moment. So we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave, and our shells will all be open song, I'll be filled with song, we'll dive down to the ocean, and we'll make her home in a deep sea cave, and her shells will all be open, I'll be filled with song, I'll be filled with song.